Allegedly, <laughs> I uh, I'm Big Dan Matt, and with me as ever, I I'm also here. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, he's here. <laughs> Chris is here. Yes, uh, uh, we we are sponsored this week by uh, Flying Wasp Spray. Yeah, because nothing says that's an annoying sound in the background quite like a fly. So mutant bottle. Yeah, you know how we, we occasionally get a, a, a third contributor to join us in the podcast? This week's one wasn't working out. They just kept vomiting back onto our food yeah. before they ate it and buzzing past our faces. Wouldn't stay fucking still. Yeah, yeah. So um, so Terrible. we've committed murder. Yeah. But uh, we're about to commit worse crimes on your ears. What, hey. what news have we got to give to them this week, we've Squire? We've got some casting news from CW's Arrowverse. We now know who's filling the cowl of the Batwoman. We also know that um, we've got some upcoming Star Trek news and CBS All Access shows mm. being confirmed. Tasty shite. We've got some more rumblings from the guys at the Galaxy 3 Camp. mess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we're going to take a deep dive into Marvel's Ant-Man and the Wasp. Also known as Mevils Int Min. Unzibisp. And also we're going to crack through some of your email. Yes, like like filthy, filthy uh, slave drivers to those building the pyramids. Yes. We're going to crack them good. We're going to crack them like we mean it. Yeah. Um, so yes. Disclaimer, we're not going to force anyone to build a pyramid. No, no. <laughs> and neither did the Egyptians. No. Was, was it the aliens? It, it, no, it's commonly believed that they weren't slaves. Oh. That they were paid labourers. They just liked being whipped as they were lifting I, again, drinks. So it's, it's, that, it's commonly believed that that was not the case. Let my people go from a job it, that they're apparently completely fine with. It is commonly, it is commonly <laughs> held by historians that the, the, the folks who built the pyramids were not in fact the um, indentured slave uh, Jewish folk, but was the actual paid labourers. Oh, okay. Or just, pet, or just dreamers. Because they found... Um, just big old dreamers. Yeah, hey, dreamers. you know what be really cool? What? Let's build some big triangles well, in think, the desert. I think they found... Yeah, who's I, with me? I think they found, like, payroll records. Oh, snap. Okay. Wow. So what you're saying is... Awesome that. You're saying is the Bible is a work of fiction. Oh, no. I don't think that... I don't... Uh, were they explicitly bu- building the pyramids in the Bible? Uh, according to every film ever made with a biblical intent. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's... <laughs> well, I don't know. That's got to be a 100% accurate reading of the Bible. Which is definitely a work of non-fiction. <sighs> definitely, guys. definitely all happened exactly as um, it's written. In the beginning... In the beginning, there was... A pen. Pen? I love that gag in Red Dwarf. They're like, uh, he's, what, the, I think it's Rimmer, it's like series one or two, he's watching old news reports. Yeah. Like, they're just, they're just watching them on, you know, continuously. To, like, to I, on stuff. like I sometimes watch old adverts from the 80s and 90s <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> Why is that child's eyes glowing like hell? But, um, and one of them is like, a new page has been found, believed to be from um, 
the, like the original uh, printed copies of the Bible, it is said to read, To my darling Candy, all characters mentioned wherein are fictitious. <laughs> it's like, it's like it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But then they um, do also go back and meet Jesus. No, they don't. They meet a guy called Jesus, uh, who's yes. not that Jesus. But he's then, not, but then that but Jesus, Jesus appears at the end. Is he a Jesus? He's a Jesus, and he's he's from Nazareth. So they think it's him, and then by the end, you realise it's not actually that Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. But then at the end, because Rimmer had the theory during it that Judas and Jesus were twin brothers, and like one of them faked the death for this, that, and the other, and la la la, and. And well, then at the end, two blokes played by the same actor, green screened in twice. Yeah. Uh, one called Jesus, one called Judas. Book a table at the restaurant. So, yeah, uh, Judas Iscariot. Judas, Judas, um, let's Judas. talk. We about, got biblical there. We got biblical. Yeah. Let's talk about. <laughs> look, a tangent. Uh, <laughs> I like the sound of them. The they, lesser spotted tangent. As they rock uh, up and on screech the in cast. our faces. Um, the lesser spotted tangent. <laughs> the lesser spotted... Uh, so, Batwoman is coming to CW's Arrowverse shows. Oh, is, what, is, what is forcing these part. female superheroes into existence? Know, where's, okay. our, where's our straight white male there, superheroes? There absolutely was. Someone was sharing mockingly. Yeah. Uh, like, someone who had actually tweeted an outrage at how things... How whenever they reboot these characters, they always have to be women or gays or or minorities or, or more than one of those things at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> God, yeah, like, they feel like okay. why, why can't why why can't we just have our our straight white male character? Yeah. And someone replied with, "Don't you mean Batman? Don't you mean Batman? <laughs> like, also, <laughs> who exists and you can read and watch plenty of media featuring him. Also, this is not like." <laughs> This is not a gender swap version of Batman. This is Batwoman. She's a separate character. Yeah, like and has been since the forties, I guess. When she was when the the yeah the original incarnation, the original Cassie Kane version. This is the modern Kate Kane version. Uh Is ex military um, cousin on Bruce Wayne's mother's side. Mm. The Kanes were were Martha Wayne's family. Um, Canes and, and the Waynes. Um, well, they're going to go into that with this. Uh, that's that's they certainly should, they the I'm familiar with. They should have been the Robinsons or the Fingers, really, but whatever. Hey! Um, <laughs> the Robinsons' Fingers. New uh, Robinsons' Finger. Hey, oh! um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, she was. made When they did the modern version of Batwoman, they made a bit of a stir by making her um, an openly lesbian superheroine. Mm-hmm. Um, so of course that's coming through into the new version and they have cast Ruby Rose mm-hmm. uh, of Orange is the New Black um, an out lesbian uh, identifies as gender fluid and has been popping up in all sorts of stuff um, she's she's in the Meg she's in the Meg which, which out next week, next week. Yes. Um, uh, she was in John Wick <laughs> chapter 2 she you know so she's been in Fast and Furious she can do she has kick ass bona fides she can do action mm-hmm Looks great. LGBTQ representation. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. She's going to debut in the upcoming Arrowverse crossover because they do their annual crossovers now. Uh, there hasn't been a series order, but from what I've heard, it seems like they're going to do a feature-length pilot 
like they did for the Flash, and then see if it gets ordered to series, and then do it that that way. I would be surprised um, if it didn't get a series of some. I would like some it to be a short series, solely yeah. on the casting. Like yeah. that's a big get. That's a, that's a that's a. I mean, it's a, a it, it, it's a movie star. It's a movie name. star name. Yeah, like it's. It, do you know what I mean? She 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 is climbing her like she, her profile is climbing. She's climbing up that ladder. So for um, her to for her to commit to working an amount of time during the year on a TV series means that either she really freaking believes in the project, yeah, or they found a way so she can manage a TV series in yeah. her schedule, and she's like, great, get me on board. And also just like the look. Of Ruby Rose, mm. as as again, she's gender fluid, so um, sometimes she's presenting more masculine than feminine, or vice versa, mm. which actually fits a bit into Kate Kane, yeah. who in a civilian identity is short haired, yeah, and uh, as I say, ex military, but, uh, but as part of the Batwoman cowl, is a long flowing wig. Which I mean, so I know it sounds weird. That. that that's one thing I'm really intrigued. Just visuals, because yeah, I think Ruby yeah. Rose was like, "Oh fuck yeah, she's awesome!" Like she's got a really cool aesthetic. And I was like, yeah. "Oh, she's have to put on a giant red wig in this as well." She's also she's tiny, yeah. So which is going to be again interesting <laughs> of like this tiny, this tiny woman being an absolute badass. Mm. But she's proven she's be... proven to like yeah. be be you know her action but a few days are there. But I know what you mean it's like is it going to be. Are they going to really play on the idea well, that she's small and yeah. wiry? Maybe and, it's that contrast you know. that the contrast of being physically small but also very physically powerful. Yeah, is is always quite exciting um, to watch. And so, also, the be- also the best superhero identity cover up in any media because when she's Batwoman, she's got big freaking giant red hair. Yeah, so people are obviously going to be looking out for giant red hair when they're thinking of the secret. I mean, identity. it is the same color. To be fair, yeah, but it's also and she is also alarmingly pale. Yes, yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> now that's I saw someone mention this on um, Twitter. They were like, "What are they gonna like? Do you think they're gonna cover the tats or because she's got she's very tattooed? She's got like sleeves, yeah, and everything probably, possibly. Like I think it depends if they're gonna go for the ultra pale makeup look. That's gonna well, be a expensive, yeah, and b um, a daily occurrence. Yes, unless of course Kate Kane's gonna spend a lot of the show in long-sleeved and, like, zipped-up everything, so they'll never have to make up her neck and face. They'll do some... Well, when she's going to be in the Batwoman costume... Yeah, you're only going to see, like, a mouth fully covered. and forehead. Yeah. So, it actually <laughs> would be fine if her civilian identity was, was heavily tattered. That's true. Especially if, she's, if they're going to lean into the ex-military um, angle. Very true. Yes. Um, all in all, it seems like a fantasy casting... Made flesh. Yeah, because I think we were, I was ruminating on who they're going to cast as Batwoman, and then I saw it this morning, and I just it was that moment of, of course, yeah. <laughs> why the fuck didn't I think of that? So yeah, really smart casting. I'm looking forward to seeing how that turns out. Um, Ruby Rose, bring it on. Um, when are we going to see the straight white male Batwoman? Yeah, I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting sick of the lack of representation. Hey, if you like straight white males. I've got some good news for you. Where the hell is the segue going? <laughs> um, Patrick Stewart is coming oh, back as Captain okay. Jean-Luc Picard in a new series for CBS All Access. Say what? He's returning to the role. Uh, that one. Yeah. That role. Uh, the smell of a pile of money is just out of reach. No, well, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't imagine CBS All Access have that 
kind of money. No, but all the same, I did see when this was announced earlier in the week. Cause it was it was it was a CBS All Access uh, press conference, wasn't it? And it was focusing on Star Trek Discovery, but a few other projects as well. And while they were there, they asked a special guest to come out and say a few words. And the special guest was Patrick Stewart, who mm-hmm. revealed very quickly into his few words that he's returning to the role of Jean-Luc Picard in a brand new show. Um, and I saw a lot of comments that night of like, wow, you know, if you've got enough of, a, if you've got a dump truck full of enough money, I guess you could get anyone to do anything. But the way he spoke about it, he spoke about like, this isn't, it's not going to be a Star Trek series in the strictest sense, in yeah. terms of the format. We're exploring the later years and another chapter in this character's personal journey. Which, you know, he's going to be an admiral or something by that mm. point. I think he is in the probably, films, probably not. Probably he's not, not going to be in command in, of a ship. Yeah, he's not going to be out in the field. So it's going to be a more character-led story set in a world we're familiar with. I think it'll be. I think it'll be more political. Can you imagine a, a, a West Wing, but oh, Star God, Trek? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. That could be. It could be a nice counterbalance to Discovery because Discovery is a bit more. It's set in the original continuity, but it does have more of a of an Abrams trilogy yeah. bent to it's, it. It's, it's a bit it's the more meld of a tumble of those action. Two, yeah. yeah. Whereas um, this could be a way to return to the next gen's probably most lasting um, contribution to the series, which is the the diplomacy and. Yeah. And morality and angle, which which was was in the original series, but the original series was also a bit more swashbuckly from time to time. One would also assume that it and the takes next gen, place yeah. um, at the latest point we've ever seen in the original timeline. Yes, yeah, because he said, it's about, he, said he said it's about the characters, you know, um, so twi- like sort of twilight years like, and and what he's doing yeah. long after like what we know him for the next gen universe post Voyager post the TNG movies, yeah. Um, and I, th- the I destruction think, of Romulus. I think the reason he'd be so game for this isn't because of a dump truck full of money. I think it's because he made Logan. He knows that Logan had a lot to say. Yeah. And he got to revisit, and he was very open about this during the interviews for Logan, he got to revisit one of his favourite characters that he'd done for film. Yeah. And tell a story he never thought he'd tell. Like, when he played, played Professor X, he thought he was going to be telling superhero action stories. He never thought he would tell the story of what happens next. Yeah. Like, after all that dies down... What do these characters have to deal with? If this is... So this is like that similar thing. This is yeah. Logan for Picard. If this is Jean-Luc Picard <laughs> as a high-up Starfleet honcho in like a political drama, mm. I'm fucking so on board for I that. I know, right? I'm so on board for that. Who do we get to pop back in for cameos, do you think? Everyone. 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 Well, Data's dead. Yes, but there's no excuse. And also, you're not going to no get way... Brent Spiner back in that makeup, no matter how much you pay. Oh, him. not the makeup, but there's there's no there's no way they'll be able to resist not having Spiner appear in it somehow. Oh, no, no, yeah. Be it as like an affectionate after, like maybe the AI used or whatever is affectionately named after Data or yeah. something. Do you know what I mean? There's going to be some contribution from him. Absolutely, you get Jonathan Frakes back because I mean he's around. He won't show up though. <laughs> he won't show up. He'll say he's really? showing up and then he won't show up. He's like Riker. every convention just, he's ever been he'll to. He'll just swagger on being all Riker going, yeah, well, I'm Riker. Not to make the chair backs much lower though. Well, he's married now, isn't he? He's married to... <laughs> just yeah. realise he won't be able to swing his legs. No, he won't. Although he's a very <laughs> tall man. So maybe he will. He's a tall man with a tiny head. Um, um, he, <laughs> he married Troy in Nemesis, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So the right the uh, the old Riker Playboy is tied down, I guess. Yeah. Michael Dawn's gonna be back as Worf. 
I hope so. Because he, because God, I hope he's so. been trying to get a Captain Wolf show made for ever. Maybe that's how you do it. Yeah, like, like Wolf, Wolf rocks up for a story, and he is the captain of a ship. Yeah, it's just like oh shit. Yeah, well, he's been, he was the captain of the Defiance in Deep Space Nine, mm. but that was a tiny like attack ship rather than like a. The flight, like the Enterprise, the flagship of the, of the Starfleet. Of Starfleet, so. it would be amazing to see a wharf who is a lot more sensitive. It like, would be amazing. Decades. It would of, be amazing of, to know. see a wharf. Just, just. <laughs> do you think we're gonna get Jordy? Is Jordy gonna rock up? Definitely. Um, definitely. Oh Christ! Wesley Crusher is definitely gonna pop up in some form. I would hope so. Will Wheaton will crowbar will, his way. Oh, in. Will Wheaton was on. Uh, was on Twitter because he obviously he's over the moon because he's a Star Trek fan anyway. Yeah, was in the show, but he was also getting quite upset because he was talking like about how excited about about what, what about he was for it, mm-hmm. and all people were doing were just tweeting "Shut up, Wesley" uh. at him, and and was under be like, "It's like at this point in his life, yeah, it's a little upsetting. It's like it's what? a little. It's just like I'm that was so long ago, and also I'm not Wesley." Do you know what he should have done? He should have preempted it. In his tweet talking about how delighted he is about it, yeah. um, he should have said he should have written something just like, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. chat on about this show for as like, long as possible. There's no chance I'm going to shut up, Wesley. Like, just like, I just own it, and then everyone's like, fuck, he's already made the joke. Yeah. Um, but it's like he's just it's shit it, and I don't like it. Please stop it. But he, he, he he's one of those he has to be he's always very gracious with fans, but he has to be very he's very clear about I am not Wesley. Uh, in a similar way to like Jewel State on Twitter he's, he's yeah. very clear about I am not Kaylee and I'm not like Kaylee mm. so don't expect me to behave and talk like that because that's not me it's a character that I played yeah I, so which, which, which is it, it's a shame because with some with some actors uh, they don't get as bombarded with yeah. it and they can you know they're very happy to talk about it and stuff some actors don't really talk about it on a wide platform, but will do so quietly in moments. Actors like Chris Eccleston doesn't really talk about Doctor Who on a wide platform, no. but has all the time in the world for anyone who ever asks yeah. him about it in person. He'll happily chat with them about it. Um, because and then you inter- get the actors yeah. who are very different from their characters, who are absolute twats, mm. like Adam Baldwin, for example. Oh, well. Where you just go, wow, you're a dickhead, but like two of your most famous characters are beloved characters, and people will be surprised to find out you're a twat when they speak to you. Yes. Um, but again, it is acting. But don't don't piss off Will Wheaton. He's a nice dude. Yeah, he's a good guy. So don't don't he tumbles well. Don't tweet shitty things like. Um, you're also excited about the CBS event for other reasons. Yeah. Tell me about what else is coming from CBS All Access. So I love anthology television like so much. It's when it's done right, it's wonderful. I've never like, noticed this about you before. Modern audiences are getting to dip into it again. Um. Not so much in American Horror Story. It's anthology season by season as opposed to episode by episode, which I which I think is a shame because yeah. I'm like, no, you guys could do so much if you if like every episode was a different thing. Channel, yeah, it, Channel then, Zero does that better. That's creepy pastas turned into full blown horror I've dramas. Not and it, seen each it. series is like six eps, yeah. and that six episodes is one story. Candle Cove was the first. one. Was the first one, yeah. Um, that we saw the trailers for, and then I don't think it actually it never came got a UK edit. Actually, some. I'm sure but someone sent us a Channel Zero email at some point. At some I, can't I want to see it because Don Mancini's involved as a producer and stuff, and and as much as he's a shitty human being, I'm intrigued to see what Max Landis's script treatment for Candle Cove was because he, I think, wrote the first two series of it. So it's like you know, the, anthology TV has inspired a lot of peeps. 
Um, fuck Max Landis, though. Fuck, my, fuck Max Landis. Yeah. Um, and rehire James Gunn. But, uh, yeah, yes. so, <laughs> hashtags everybody. Uh, but, you know, like the Black Mirror, of course, is probably the best bit of anthology TV around at the minute, I'd Bira. say. Bearer. Um, Blira. And over the years, anthologies usually been associated with horror, Tales from the Crypt. Because um, it's so much fun. It is pretty damn great. The Outer yeah. Limits and, and shows like that. Um, the granddaddy of them all, the goddamn Mac Daddy, Grandmaster, Spank Me Daddy, hashtag Daddy, Daddy on my Daddy, is um, the Twilight Zone. Like, it's it's the one. Um, that theme is ingrained into people's brains on a primal level. I know. Well, but yeah, even people who've never seen it or heard of it. They know the Twilight Zone theme as a go-to oh, sound it's weird. creepy yeah. and weird, yeah. Uh, Twilight Zone's amazing. It's like, it was five seasons in the 50s. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, they're morality plays, basically, yeah. with supernatural or horror um, elements to them. Some of them are terrifying. Some of them are, were terrifying and have aged badly. Some the wing. <laughs> Something. Uh, some of them are not frightening at all. They're just there to make you think. Um, they're really, really good. And it was resurrected in the 80s um, with a series that featured actors like Morgan Freeman and Bruce Willis and yeah. like sort of some of their earliest appearances. Uh, and it did really well. It was resurrected for a brief series in the 2000s, which uh, had... I'm trying to remember who the presenter was. Like the host, because Rod Serling was the creator, like the guy behind like um, Planet of the Apes and stuff as well, yeah. TV show and things like that. Uh, the... Um, oh, God, who was it? Let me see Let me see who it was. Because when it uh, f- came back in the 2000s, it didn't quite hit because, here we go, 2002 series, um, it was remakes of older episodes plus a few new ones. It was only one season of 43. But that was, to be fair, that was my introduction to it. I saw it through that first. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that was, that was my first introduction to Twilight Zone because it was being repeated on um, some channel, some cunt. Uh, so... <laughs> Yeah, it was... Uh, ah, yeah, Forrest Whitaker was the Serling role. He appeared at the oh, top and tail good. of each episode. But the theme tune... Uh-oh. I love Corn. Don't get me wrong. Oh, no. But they did the theme tune, and it's sort of a new tune with an element of the original oh, tune. No. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> like, it is not good. Oh, no. Um, oh, no. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but that was my introduction to the Twilight Zone, and I adored it, and it was it was fun, and it hit the point, and I la was, la. Yeah. Oh, what fun it is to ride on a sleigh song tonight! So there's that. Um, Twilight Zone is the Mac Daddy. It's brilliant. It's perfect. It is the it is the 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 introduction to twist narratives and in, superbly acted. It's got some amazing talent in every episode. It's coming back. And it's coming back. CBS All Access, I'm bringing it back. Who's at the helm? The producer of the show and the over overseer of it all, and hopefully the writer of a couple, fingers bloody crossed, or at mm. least director, is Jordan Peele. Oh, yeah. Now, in today's modern landscape, if you want to have someone tell a supernatural morality tale that is scary and gripping the guy who gave us get out is not a bad choice whatsoever nope um by the sound of what he's mentioned of it previously um it's a passion project for him yeah something he really wants to do and cbs spoke a little bit more about it at this event where they basically said yep we're going into production like it's a happening Mm -hmm. a new series of twilight zone um which makes me delighted 
the only thing that could make me even more excited for it is if they got Charlie Brooker to write at least one. Oh, it'd be daft not to, wouldn't it? Would it would be, especially because Black, Mir- Black Mirror, is, Black Mirror is technology Twilight Zone. Like, it would be insane not to at least have him go, all right, Charlie, if you didn't have to write something based around tech, what's your take on yeah. this? And, and see what happens. Because, um, God, I love it. And again, just the showcase of talent, the artists and, and, and writers yeah. and actors who appear in, in all versions of the show. Yeah. Um, you know, it'd be fascinating to see what actors buy into the world of it now and show up now in yeah. Twilight Zone. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it, boy. Uh, so how long do you think before the pattern of history repeats itself and an Outer Limits revival is announced? <laughs> or Tales from the Crypt. I know that one's been on the cards for a yeah, while. Yeah, I'm not sure on. Yeah, which, yeah, because it was going to be a pilot, wasn't there? Yeah. Proper one. And now it's kind of in a we're not sure what's happening stage. Because he's working on uh, glass. Yeah, it's just like, oh, okay. And also because he's M. Night Shyamalan and he's bad at things. <laughs> what? No. But yeah, no, that, that would be pretty That would be pretty. I was great. always more familiar with The Outer Limits thanks to the 90s one, which cropped up both mm. as being a few years behind the 80s Twilight Zone, but also in the post-X-Files genre TV boom, the way we got stuff like Dark Skies. Yeah. And things like that. Yeah. Um, oh, God, yeah, of course. Dark Skies. Dark Skies was... I think. was all right. <laughs> it was all right. Um, it was no alien nation. Wait, what? what um, uh, uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm delighted to hear that amidst the Star Trekian thingy, Anthology TV, specifically horror and supernatural anthology TV, is on its yeah. way back. Um, please put like some American Horror Story cast members in it as a little Easter egg for modern anthology. That'd be fun. Yeah, like stick Jessica Lange in an episode or something. That'd oh, be great. Um, she's great. She is pretty damn great. Uh, do you know what else Sarah is pretty Paulson. damn? Okay, no, yeah, she's also pretty damn. Have Sarah you ever watched to be interviewed? No, she doesn't like doing chat shows. She's really nervous about it, but. The one that she returned to the most was the Late Late Show when Craig Ferguson was on it. Oh, because Craig Ferguson. Because Craig Ferguson. And there's a compilation. Careful, Icarus. <laughs> Actually, I'm Daedalus. Hey, <laughs> I went to see Iron Maiden on Monday and they had a giant Icarus inflatable for Flight of Icarus. There you go. And also Bruce Dickinson had twin flamethrowers because of course he did. Of course he did. Someone let that mad cunt have flamethrowers <laughs> on stage. <laughs> Do you know what they should have said to him? What? Careful, Icarus. Ah! Um, so, God. But if you watch you watch her interviews with Craig Ferguson, like, she's clearly sort of nervous and out of her depth in the first one. By, like, the third one, you can tell she loves going back to that show. Yeah. Because she's just having the best time. Um, and she's adorable. And she should be in all the things. She's a great actress. She, honestly, after, after our chat the other week, she's the reason now at the minute I want to see Glass. I'm just yeah. intrigued by her... Yeah sharing the top building with those guys. I'm yeah. like, good, good, she should do. She's really good. I'm glad that she's getting more, more like, high-end movies now. Well, so she, was like, in o- she was in Ocean's more. 8, wasn't she? She was, in, she was one of the leads in Ocean's 8. Oh, shit. Um, you know, I, I, I miffed I missed that. Time yeah. just took me away from it, really. She's, she's great. Do you know what else is great? What else is great? I don't know what's the next story. I hope um, this works. I hope this well, works. we're going to talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, very soon. But before oh, we do that, oh, saved, in, some other, in some other Disney news, <laughs> oh Jesus, um, and a little bit of an update from the Guardians of the Galaxy three debacle, mm. with it looking increasingly less likely that um, Disney are going to rehire James Gunn to direct Guardians of the Galaxy Volume three. Uh, Dave Bautista once again being very very vocal, yeah, um, has 
um, now come out and started and and said that if they don't at least use the script, the James Gunn script, yeah, he's going to be looking to reneo- renegotiate his contract with Disney and getting them to like kill him off or write him out or whatever they need to do because he's not happy to be associated with the project without James. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll do what he's legally obliged to do. Yeah. But he will be seeking to be re- to to be released from his contract if James Gunn is not 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 that he's not rehired, but that he's not he's not involved in the, with the project at all. Yeah, like he, he wants to make sure that the story James is telling can yeah. at least still be told. Ideally, with James completely involved, yeah. but if not, at least with James's script. Yeah, um, and we were talking about this the other week. We were saying that. It's possible that they will use James Gunn's script, but they'll bring someone else in to doctor, so to change bits and pieces, and then they will get the screenwriting credit, and it will be story by James Gunn. But that's just such a thing for... If Disney are going to fire him from this project as director, but then keep him on as writer, it's incredibly hypocritical. It is. they're saying that this person, and what he's done and said and written, doesn't reflect the values of this company. Yeah, and well, then he uses written words. Writing this movie. The third part of a redemption story for characters it's who grow. Stupid. And, yeah, but I wouldn't put it past them to do that. Ugh. Just to just to keep the peace to some degree. I, I, and not see their own this hypocrisy. This is just going to be... There's no way this is going to end well for, for anyone. Anybody, yeah. And there's yeah. the thing as well, like, part of me wonders whether or not they would just go, look, we're making all the money in the world... The Guardians are appearing in Infinity War Part Two. Yeah, let's just we don't need make to do the Guardians Fuck movie. It, yeah. But the amount they'll already spend on pre-production, yeah, will be ginormous they've because got... they'll have been making that investment. The amount they've just did a freaking uh, invested in the Guardians, yeah, in terms of their extended property is nuts. Like a Guardians ride is currently contract. being yeah. The Guardians ride uh, is popular at DCA in California. Yeah. They're about to open a different Guardians ride in the next year at Epcot, which is got the dance off in Disneyland Paris. Yeah, the Summer of Heroes, where they can't use the word Marvel for weird contractual reasons. Which they were plugging, they were plugging the fucking dance off and the Meet Gamora, Meet Salah stuff the same day they were tweeting out about firing James Gunn. Isn't it weird? It's so weird. I mean, just just on a separate level, even like as much as I love that the Guardians of the Galaxy are a household name now, it's really weird to see the dance party adverts with Star Lord and Gamora. So, uh, air quotes Star Lord and air quotes Gamora because obviously it's it's some Disney host. Yeah, bless the souls. Bless the souls. Like. Valiant soldiers on the front line of entertainment. But, but isn't, it, isn't it sad that you watch that trailer and you're like, I know exactly what the quote-unquote plot of this stage show yeah. is. He's like, we're going to dance. She's like, I don't want to dance. He's going to teach the kids some moves. They're all going to do it. And she'll eventually come round. And we'll all have a laugh and it'll be great. And by the way, the director got fired for a weaponized morality being used by an alt-right rape apologist. And also, spoilers from Infinity War. <laughs> They're both alive and dancing in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't end well for either of those. <laughs> They're in canon, guys. It's yeah. in canon. Uh, Force from Infinity War. <laughs> Gamora gets thrown off a cliff and Star Lord is dust, so... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't get too, don't get too <laughs> happy. Some some actors um, in the parks doing the superhero stuff, especially in California Adventure, have really embraced it. You've seen the footage of uh, hmm. the Gaston guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Disneyland in California. Freaking brilliant. 
there's a guy quite similar to him who plays Thor at yeah. Disney's California Adventure, who again, completely in character, hilarious, like com- just owns it and is brilliant. And during like there's a dance show or whatever, a Guardians themed thing that was going on earlier this year, not yeah. not a dance off per se, but it was like part of one of the parades or whatever uh, through DCA. Someone got phone footage of this Thor for like five minutes, just commenting along to the songs and dancing on his own in the middle of like the public. Like he's not in a meet and greet area; he's just walking around, thinking. And he does it entirely in character, and it's like, oh god, this is when this works beautifully. Yeah, like you are having so much fun, and it's it's worth. This is worth it. This is fucking worth, especially when you have people walk past you aren't paying attention. And you just see people casually walking past a six foot five tall dude with a winged helmet and a cape. Dancing like, yeah, it's, it's, it draws the eye. Yeah, um, I <laughs> I have nothing but the fucking utmost respect for Disney cast members and hosts. It, like the, the if only they were paid correctly. Hey, um, I know. Well, we both know a few people who've who've done that job at Paris, hmm. and yeah, it's hard. It's but, tough. It's tough. But but by by and large, it seems the Parisian equivalent is a lot more rewarding. Yeah. Off the back of it, and people come away with more good stories than bad. Which is, which is you know, it's nice. As opposed to uh, the California parks, where apparently they're being underpaid like crazy. Well, it's America. Everyone's underpaid like crazy. Yeah. We were in Florida in 2012 in Epcot, and we spoke to uh, a genuinely English fellow in the England Pavilion. Okay. While we had a drink. And Lucy was inquiring about, like, she was thinking at that point of maybe doing, like, a, a six-months-a-year placement in one of the parks, just working the staff, just because she'd be like, oh, it'd be kind of cool. Like, yeah. I'd see behind the, behind the scenes a bit, and it'd ruin it for me. But at the same time, it'd be an interesting thing to do. Would it ruin it for you? Or would it just amplify the magic, knowing how the sausage is made? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, the sausage turns around to you and says... Mr. Matt, I don't feel so good. It oh, fades away. No! It's deduced. Um, so, and he just went, don't do it. Don't. And she went, really? And he went, yeah. He says, I'm having a good time, but this is also the most stressful period of my life, and it has put me off coming back to the parks after this. Yeah. And she went, oh. And he says, yeah, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but I just, you know, don't do it. The mouse is going to get him. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, then we didn't see him again. Yeah, he went away and then someone else came back to take our order. And it was the same person. <laughs> no, it was the same not. guy, but he had a stitch across his forehead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was drooling. Just just leaking blood from one eye. Oh, um, <laughs> let's talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, yes. Let us talketh about it. So. And its ways. Sequel to 2015's yep. uh, surprisingly fun Ant-Man. With Paul Rudd and Michael Douglas and Evangeline Lilly at Al, we find Scott Lang's Ant Man under no longer Ant Man under house arrest after the hasn't been of Civil for two War. Years. No, no, yeah. hasn't been Ant Man for two years. Hasn't spoken to Hope Van Dyne or Hank Pym for two years. Hasn't done any superhero or any anting because um, it turns out that his arrival in Captain America Civil War was completely off his own back yeah. without their consultation and they haven't they actually haven't sought him out because yeah. their tech was used in the airport incident so they're yeah. considered criminals as a result of his actions they are now wanted criminals yeah and also they don't want to talk to him because he made them wanted criminals and yeah. stole their shit and then they're now so. on the run so so that, that that lovely relationship that was just starting to blossom yeah, has been that, dormant for two years that's been a thing because he fucked up um, but he's spending every weekend with his daughter Cassie yeah. and he's like the best 
stay at home house he's, arrest dad in the world he's the world's greatest grandma uh, yeah <laughs> oh, that's great and his relationship with um, his ex-wife and, and her new husband is really lovely and sweet now it's in a really good place <laughs> oh Bobby Cannavale's great in this he's oh, not in God. it much but, but it he is, is great it's like a warm hug it's so mostly it's literally. literally a warm hug <laughs> like that, um, that, that dynamic was really cool He's he's working. He's working from home, obviously, but he's working with Lewis because the guys have yep. got a um, security business started. Xcon security, X-Con, which which a few times in the film they sort of went uh, scon. Like some people sort of, some people very quickly said just called scon. Scon, almost like not emphasizing yes. the Xcon, nice. even though that was the fucking name. Nice, which is great. Uh, so those guys are all uh, running yep. the security office in the apartment. Did you notice it was the apartment from the first yeah. one, but just gutted out to look a little yeah. more fancy? With, with a table that Louise found on the street. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like Scott's advising them from home like about security stuff, yep. they're selling, and the business is doing okay, but it's, it might it's, be about it, to It's go still under. in the early stages, yeah, so yeah. It's, everything's a bit... But, but, but life is sort of in a good place. There's, there's obviously three some regrets. days, three days from the end of his sentence. Yeah, he was only three days away from retirement, and and then shit goes down. Yeah, and he gets dragged back in because it seems like after his excursion to the quantum realm at the end of the last movie that he might be the key for Hank and Hope to bring back Janet, mm. Hank's wife, Hope's mother. After 30 years trapped in the quantum realm. But of course he's not the only one that wants the technology. Because there's also a weird uh, phasey in and out of Wally persons. A really interesting take on the Iron Man villain Ghost. And there's also... Walter um, Goggins' character. There's also just Walton Goggins. Yeah, what's his name? uh, Sonny Birch. Sonny Birch. Who is a character, I think? I think they're like a, a, a recurring gangster character from Marvel or a businessman are, character. I don't know who they are. Oh, there's lots of ca- there's you. lots of Marvel characters in this that are not big characters at all, but are just like, yeah. oh shit, like uh, Agent uh, Wu. Agent uh, Jimmy Wu. Jimmy Wu is in it, which is freaking great. Uh, Elias Starr is mentioned. Yeah, and seen. And seen. And he is bald. And he is bald. So I guess like he's like an <laughs> Um, oh, it's weird. Uh, uh, Bill yeah. Foster turns up. Bill Foster rocks Lawrence, up. The which fish. Is really nice. The fish burn. <laughs> don't call him Larry. Lawrence don't, don't call him Larry. <laughs> Lawrence, don't call me Larry. Fishburn. And oh god, so like again, like as far as Marvel deep cuts go, there are a lot of treats in this. Yes, there and are a lot of treats. In, in general, here. just a lot of treats because mm. after Infinity War, breathtaking and epic as it was, this is. Way lighter, mm. and it's way more self-contained, and it's fun, and it zips along at an exciting pace, and there's good fun action stuff in there, and there's some great jokes, and it's fucking Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly and Michael Douglas being really, really, really charismatic, and all the people around them and the supporting cast being super charismatic, and... I don't know, what more do you want from a superhero movie? It's colourful. I went with a six-year-old. He spent the whole time wrapped. Look, like just transfixed by the screen. Um, They really play around with the, oh, we're doing a shrinking movie. Yes. In this one, it's less about the shrinking, more about what gags and what set pieces you can do based around uh, different size Not just shrinking, size changing both ways, because of course... In the wake of Civil War, we now know that Giant Man is a thing. Yeah, and we, in fact, we, due to this movie, we now know that Giant Man 
was a thing yeah. with Project Goliath. Yeah. So, like, you've got, you know, the, the, you learn more about Pym's technology, about the people that he's hurt along the way. Yeah. Um, Hank definitely grows. Yeah. Um, There's character stuff for everyone here. Hope, really nice. Hope was the most pleasing character development for me. Oh, man. This is, this is called Ant-Man and the Wasp, but really yeah. it should be called the Wasp and Ant-Man. Yes. It's absolutely <laughs> she, Evangeline Lilly's She's uh, your movie. leading star when it comes to yeah. dominating the action and, and the absolutely story. Absolutely dominates the, the, the superhero action stuff. And it's all... Which it, I think it's very consciously done because it means that uh, Scott is again our POV character. Yeah. We're looking he's dragged into, yeah. back into this world. We're looking yeah. into their story and their struggle. Yeah. And the legacy of the Pym slash Van Dynes um, through Scott as the audience uh, surrogate character, mm. um, who just also happens to be a size-changing superhero himself. Um, Albeit with a less reliable tech this time. <laughs> which is great. Yeah. Um, um, and again, they go into the science of what this stuff yep. can do to you and, and your body and how you react. And, yep. um, I'll say this, it does, it does suffer from the Marvel villain problem slightly in that this movie doesn't really have, after the treats we've had the last couple films in yeah. a row, a, a, Mm, maybe this is the wrong word. It doesn't really have a significant villain because it's not a story about no. It's not a story hero about hero versus villain. villains. It's yeah. a story about there is a baddie. Yeah, like uh, uh, there are a few antagonists, and there is one who is a bad guy. Oh yeah, but like they're not the bad guy. They're a bit more um, fleshed out. There's a bit yeah. more of a redemption arc to at least one of them, and an open ended one. This well, is yeah. a, this is a, a story about. A family trying to bring themselves back together mm-hmm. and all the things that get in their way. Yeah. Also, it's funny. So, I think don't go in after Thanos expecting, like, oh, who are they going to be up against this time? Go in, just go in looking forward to seeing how the heroes yeah. are going to deal with the problems. Yeah. Um, but I will say this was, who plays Ghost? Uh, Hannah John Kamen. She's pretty great. Yeah. She's not going to leave as big an imprint as like Killmonger or Thanos but like she is pretty great She's an interesting in villain interesting power set a, gri- a really great cool visuals. take on, yeah. on a very on different Ghost, yeah. character yeah because like they've just taken the concept of the character and gone alright we're going to spin it on its head yeah and like given this completely new life to it yeah um, and also again really it's, it's kind of cool to see that we're at that point now where the villains that are popping up in the movies aren't necessarily the villains automatically matched to that no Ghost of Iron hero villain, yeah. yeah so it, that, that's kind of cool I like the fact that we, well, it's we not can like do that Ant-Man's got a good rose gallery anyway oh no but but it's interesting egghead. that it's interesting that because of this world that's established they can go do you know what we'll do this we'll do that we'll bring this character in and we'll do a bit of that and do you know it's, it's like yeah. how the Arrowverse go fuck it we're going to do a Rachel Ghoul story arc. I think the Porcupine like, is an Ant Man villain originally? Possibly. Is Armadillo an Ant Man villain? I don't know. <laughs> the eel is that an Ant Man villain? Yes. Yes. Not not exclusively. Am, yeah. But yeah. I it, I'm like a recurring and a recurring nemesis of Ant Man. Yeah. There's a fair bit of crossover in the Silver Age comics, so I can't remember whose villains are whose originally. It's because all the books were like tales to astonish and everything, yeah. so people were dipping in and out and stuff. So, but yeah. Um, but interesting take. Uh, funny. Lucy went into this one. She's not the biggest fan of Ant Man. It's one of the movies that she, when we revisited it for the marathon, she dozed off. I was like, "Really?" She was like, "I'm just tired. I couldn't be asked." I was like, "All right, it's, okay. yeah." It's it's fun and it's funny, but it's kind of inconsequential. It's yeah. light. Yeah, I enjoy. Which I, this is also. I actually. dig it. I dig it a lot, but yeah, like it, it's not one of the things. But she went into this one, and she 
pissed herself the whole way through. Ooh. And she's already said she likes this one more than the first. I think it's stuff. really funny. It's an entertaining as hell movie. Uh, we didn't see it in 3D, but I'd be intrigued to see it in 3D. I did not see it in 3D, but there are definitely some moments where I'm like, oh, that's... Especially that's... Quantum Realm. Yeah. And oh, shrinkage and growth the, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, the Quantum Realm stuff in this is gorgeous. Yeah. And like if strange, if and... Doctor Strange's sort of going through dimensions was trippy, trippy. Yeah, this one is sort of like this is this is the this is the Disney dark ride projector thing version of trippy. <laughs> it's a let's take a t- let's take our time so you can kind of absorb it and breathe it in a little bit. Yeah, it yeah. also goes into the idea of the quantum realm being, you know, the, the psychological side of that uh, a lot more. Yeah. Right down to how it affects you mentally, not just like, oh, it drives people insane. Like, no, you get to sort of see what it can do to you yeah. mentally and, and how it can be used. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, pros and pros and pros and cons. Really funny. Yay. Uh, not enough FIFA for my for my ticket money. Not enough FIFA. But there is FIFA, and it is glorious FIFA. Um, uh, really interesting visuals. Great ideas for action set pieces. Mm-hmm. Some obvious stuff, some not so obvious stuff. Mm-hmm. In terms of how they do it, the entire. I think. I think this might tie with Black Panther for the most interesting car chase in these movies. Yeah, Civil Wars is pretty great, but it felt like a fact, war, it felt like a warm my... up to the one in Black Panther. Whereas in this, yeah. You know, in Black Panther, you get the whole idea of super strong guy and super strong lady with a super strong spear chasing after bad guys. In this, it's like, let's see what happens when people who can shrink and grow things yeah. have to try and shake the villains off their tail. And, and it's great. My only, my only con, my, my main con really is that so much of that action stuff was shown in the trailers. Yeah, we did see a bit so too much of it. There weren't really yeah. any surprises. No, but Baba Yaga. Oh, fuck me. That was so good. That was so funny! <laughs> oh! Yeah, the gang, Luis, um, uh, particularly Michael Benny and David Desmolchen, just really piss funny in this. They're given so much to do in, in terms of just like that. Yeah, room. I'm and glad you can, they you can fa- tell a bit of the improv room was left yeah. as well. That's another thing that this film benefits from. This film doesn't have the shadow of, well, this was meant to be an Edgar Wright movie. Because yeah. no, this is a sequel to the Peyton Reed film by Peyton Reed. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's got a bit less baggage to it, a bit less what-if yeah. to it all. Um, it definitely benefits from it. I definitely recommend Ant-Man and the Wasp. I recommend Ant-Man. I think I think and it's a perfect Wasp. sort of, like, like Sunday morning, Sunday in, afternoon in sort of film. Ant-Man was a palate cleanser after Rage of Ultron. This is a palate cleanser after Infinity War. Mm. But do stick around for the mid-credits and end-credits yeah, scenes. Yeah, don't do what I did and stick around for the end... And not stick around for the end-credits scene after the mid-credits one. Because there is definitely a couple things in here for the long-term fans of the MCU. Oh, boy. To make you go, oh, shit. Yeah. Shall we talk about them? Let's talk about where this movie takes place in the MCU as we move into... Spoilers! That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The truth serum is out. We're going to talk about this movie in detail. (laughs) There's no such thing as truth serum, Chris. (gasps) He's right. (laughs) You know, I was thinking... We were, so we were like an good. hour in, and I was like, we've not had one of Luis's um, uh, sort of, you know, like he said, she said montages. <laughs> there were two of them in the original. There yeah. were, were two of the highlights and, of that and, movie. And we didn't, Marvel didn't do the thing that everyone wanted to do and do one to recap yeah. the, the MCU leading up to Infinity War, <laughs> which would have been fucking brilliant. Yeah, but, but still, I guess they like, couldn't get it together for whatever reason. 
But they uh, <laughs> too busy firing James. Maybe Bond. for the Blu-ray. Um, Maybe for the Infinity War Blu-ray. Oh, Fingers that'd crossed. be nice. That would be fun. Um, so we got. Uh, I'll do it for Avengers Four. Yeah, like to wrap it all up yeah. in a neat little bow. But it was really release it as a short Avengers, before. Yeah, release it as a short a before short the film. Before Avengers that'd Four ever. Uh, oh God. It's got to be Avengers Forever. It's got to be Avengers Forever. It's a comic. It's a good title. And coming off the back of this, it's probably going to involve time travel. Very true. Well, yeah, exactly. This movie delves into the quantum realm stuff quite a bit. Um, we'll, we'll get we'll get to that in a moment because that's that's trippy as balls. Yeah. But so we we get our Luis montage. Yeah. Uh, the moment the moment the freaking truth serum gets brought out, I was like, this is where it's going to happen. Yeah. Like we're finally going to get one. We're going to get it. And it was great because it recapped the events of the first movie a bit. Right down uh, to everyone being in the same locations and costumes and, and looks and everything. It was like, the, de- the attention to detail for this short so joke good. is worth it. It's so good. Um, so that was a really nice touch. Um, <laughs> Cassie and Scott's relationship, I think, is the oh, best thing about the, this brilliant. movie. And I also think that's something that is something that's going to play into Avengers 4. Well, this is about, like, yeah, this film really sets up the idea of not, not as like a calling... But this film sets up the idea of Ant-Man and the Wasp being a legacy name. Yeah. And it also so sets like, up... So, like, you know, uh, Hank and yeah. Janet were Ant-Man and the Wasp. Scott and Hope are Ant-Man and the Wasp. And Cassie wants to be Scott's partner. Yeah. Um, you know, Deep Cut's comic nerddom. We know that Cassie... Cassie Lyons becomes stature as part of the Young Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that happens. So, time travel stuff with Avengers 4, I she think, becomes... based on the fact we have casting for an older Cassie. Yeah. Yeah, which is a shame in a way because. Well, this actress has been has been has been like, yeah, no, this is to- Cassie's arc in this movie is totally about her wanting to be a superhero yeah. because of her dad. Yeah, and that is also <laughs> partly why she encourages him to do it so much. I love that she, I love that she knows he did wrong, but she still sees the how cool like yeah. the the, She's... the 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 big like heist sort of stuff is. Mm. Like well, she's she, old enough she, to she's understand like, yeah, that sometimes you have to break the law to do the right thing the right thing yeah so what's nice is that she's definitely got her father's morality but yeah. her father's morality now as opposed yeah. to what got him in jail in the first place but, but also <laughs> their heist at the beginning <sighs> their little mock heist because like so he's good. so bored that he's made ducts and giant ants made of cards and it's slides down all the stairs Dave made a maze I think where this dude makes a bell it's this, this, an indie movie where this dude just makes a uh, a labyrinth out of cardboard in his own room, and then it's like it becomes this magical, huge labyrinth inside. But it, it, it just—I just thought of that immediately. Yeah, but I just thought I thought it was That's... really smart. Like, well, it was just sweet because it's like his way of getting to kind of show her what he did and what yeah. he went through without obviously being able to do it properly because you know arrested again. And also, like he says, two years not being able to leave the house, he has to get creative to keep his little girl entertained. <laughs> <laughs> he even learned close-up magic. That recurring <laughs> gag. That recurring it's gag. So good. And it's it's was it, wonderful. It's, it's the it's a great example of how you wrap comedy into a movie like this. Yeah. Is you set up the gag and then you not only do you pay it off in another gag later on, but you also use it to kick to help the so the set pieces yeah. flow. Yeah. Oh god, it's just it's just the fact that the idea that everybody in a in a in a position of um sort of police or, or a federal authority <laughs> Is dumbstruck by it. Randall Parker's Jimmy Woo is so he's good in this. Wonderful. Because he's so. 
I don't really, he's, he's like he's like I recognise I know he's, Bad, but he's, I can't go- think of anything else I've seen him he's in. Goofy yeah, he's, like he's Goofy Coulson. Yeah. Like he's Goofy Coulson and, and uh, it works so well. Uh, Especially the end where he's like, I'll see you again. And he's like Why? What do you mean? He's like, when you'll see me again, he's like when you what did you want to like meet up after this? <laughs> you wanna get dinner? Do you wanna get dinner or something? Uh, no, I meant when you break the law again, uh, I'll see you. Again, he's like, right, well, I'm not going to break the law, so... Like, <laughs> right. But I'm just saying, I will... I'll see you. Uh, I, I mean, do, do you want to get to this? <laughs> <laughs> so good. Like, because he's definitely, he's definitely mm. like, a, a, a competent, mm. capable mm. agent, but he's also not, like, the best reader of basic interaction. And he's, people. yeah, and, and he's just a bit downtrodden some, yeah. and, like, oh, I really need to win. <laughs> Just, oh god, yeah, when it just cuts to the when it just cuts to him looking at close up magic tutorials yeah. and stuff. It's just it's wonderful. Yeah. So funny. Um Walter Goggins is having a blast. Walton Goggins is having a blast in everything he's ever in, but he's particularly good in this. He's he is waltering his goggins in this movie. Walton, Walton, no, Walton Goggins. No, he's waltering. It's an adjective. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um <laughs> but he's fine, he's, I guess. Um, all right, Waltoning. Waltoning his Waltoning goggins. his goggins. Um, he... Oh, right, whatever. Potato, potato, Walter, Walton. Walter, <laughs> Walton. Um, he is... Again, like, he's a very basic villain character. Yeah. He's not got much to him, but they set up those ideas of, like, all of his intelligence is based in info he gets from someone in the Bureau. And yeah. he's... Like, he's obviously an image guy. He likes being in charge. He likes having the information people need and the tech people need. He fronts a restaurant because he wants to have something to be proud of that he can talk about legally. Yeah. Uh, even though they may have, what is it? He may have not passed some uh, health. <laughs> we oh, have a lot of health code violations. Some of those would really would shock you. <laughs> it is true, sir. Yeah, like, his that's... henchman with the tr- with the 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 chemical cocktail that's not truth serum but acts exactly like truth serum. <laughs> Until he eventually admits at the end that it is truth serum. <laughs> Under the effects of his own <laughs> truth serum. <laughs> oh, God. The Hot Wheels box full of shrunken cars. Yeah. If they don't sell that, yeah. at some point, I'd, I'd be surprised. I'm expecting to see that in a Disney store any day now. Because that was genius. Yeah. Like, the first time they grabbed it, I was like, that's like the old Hot Wheels things used to get. Like, the yeah. tires with... No, it, it, is. it is. It is a Hot Wheels thing. You, yeah, so good. The, and the, the idea that Hank and, and Hope have been on the run long enough that they have systems in place and they yeah. know what they're doing, but also, the, also the complete. I love, I love the complete confidence in them both that no one's going to say anything or that they're going to be out of the area before anyone could arrive anyway. Yeah, that they just shrink things so obviously. Yeah, like whole buildings just. Vroom. Right, get in the car. Uh, and you're like, pardon me. And you're like, no one's going to point that out, but it's like, no, they're that, they're that confident that people will be like, I just saw a building spit. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, like, they don't care. Right. They just don't care because they're so driven by what they want to do. Because that was the emotional, the emotional yeah, core of the movie. It's, it's them it's, trying to... It's family. But yeah, no, it's specifically them going, we got a hint that, you know, Janet is out there. She might be alive. We're going to find her. And... We're going to make it work. You know... We get the the classic Marvel de aging stuff at the at the start of this movie, which again looks good. It looks well. It better look good because they're doing it with Sam Jackson for mm, the entirety, of, entirety Captain Marvel. of Captain Marvel. So, but no, it looks fucking great. The mm. young Michael Douglas looked really good. The young Michelle Pfeiffer looked really good. I, I, um, I noticed they found a happy medium yeah. by making the 
present day them by making them up a bit older than they actually yeah. do look. Because Michael Douglas is, you know, is an old, older, older guy. Yeah. But he doesn't quite look as old as Hank Pym. Yeah. Like, Hank Pym's just... It's the way he carries himself and the, the hair and stuff. It, they've made him look a little older. Yeah. Same with Pfeiffer when she comes back to the end of the movie. Like, they've made her look a bit more Listen, older. Listen, she's been in the quantum mill for a while. Yeah, yeah. But but it, it's, um, done, it's done yeah. in a very conscious way to help aid... Still got those smoky The flashback eyes, that she does. Big saucer eyes. <laughs> yeah. Um... um they cheat with Lawrence Fishburne, though. Yeah. It's his son. <clears throat> now that, I only found that out afterwards. Yeah. And I couldn't quite believe it. I heard, I, I... Because if that's his son, it. my God, he looks so much like I his dad. I heard it afterwards, and yeah. I was like, nah, that's not true. So I IMDb did it, and it is true. Uh, La- Langston, um, is it his name? Uh, Langston look, Fishburne? Langston Fishburne. Like, that is... Not. It he, only, is. he only appears on on screen for about it's twenty a very seconds. Brief, it's a very very brief flashback. Yeah, uh, but it, it's um, a speaking role. Yeah, he has a few lines and he interacts uh, with another character, and it's like okay. Yeah, Langston Fishburne. That's the picture of him. My God, I wouldn't be surprised if they did a bit of digital trickery just to to sort yeah. of iron oh, out iron out the lack of creases. And he's got the, he's got the but hair. Yeah, as that's well, that is. Which, he is. He is even without that. Just looking, dad, at, yeah. just looking at the pictures, like yeah, that looks like a younger Larry th- Fishburne. Don't call him Larry. Don't call him Larry. Hey, hey, hey. Um, um, yes, please call me. <laughs> no, please, Mister Fishburne was my father. Call me Mister Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> <laughs> call me Mister Lawrence Fishburne, sir. <laughs> he's really good and I like I like the that they pulled the rug out from under comic book fans with this a bit as well like they, they did they yeah. did a Mandarin in the sense of yeah. oh you think you know what this is no yeah. no he's he's one of the antagonists of the movie he's not a bad guy and he's doing it all for the right yeah. reasons but when he comes when he steps out of the shadows I was like oh no and, he's, he's... and then I went no that's brilliant because you movie yeah. have shit on my expectations thinking I know it all by coming into this going oh it's Goliath I know all this all but about. also as you go on you realise that he is Ghost's moral compass he's the reason he, she's not done really yeah, bad things because she was being used yeah she's being used by S.H.I.E.L.D. yeah and they don't they don't explain it this way in the movie but I realise afterwards she was probably being primed by the Hydra yeah. parts of Shield because they because she was made to do some heinous shit. Because there's conflicting accounts on how much of her father, Elias Star, uh, also Egghead in the comics, and mm-hmm. here he cre- he's working on quantum tunneling stuff, which backfires, and that's what gives her her powers. Mm-hmm. Her phasing powers are linked to the quantum realm, um, which is why she wants to get the tunnel so she can drain quantum energy from from Janet if she's still alive to stabilize herself because she's steadily dissipating but it's not actually made clear whether Elias was a traitor and that's why he was fired from Hank's project or Hank just didn't like him and thought he was stealing his work which again from Bill Foster's perspective we get an idea that that Hank Pym was a fucking jerk to work with which again um, going off of the comics is a really nice way for the movies to and it's in, in the first time yeah. it's like this as well it's a really nice way for the movies version of Hank because the thing is in the comics Hank Pym is a piece of shit he's a piece of shit like he, he, he wasn't he wasn't designed shit. to be that way but stuff they did with him along the way you're like this is not a nice character yeah. like this is not a nice person yeah. and and some shows and, and comics and adaptations 
go one way or the other with that. Like the Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the animated series, um, takes him in a much more sympathetic route because he's like, we should be doing this. We should be doing that. Right, you lot are freaking holding me back. I'm gone. Or or, yeah. or sometimes he's like, right, no, hang on. You've, you've used my stuff to do that. I don't want to be a part of this. And they make him a much more sympathetic character in yeah. the animated show. Like he's abrasive and arrogant, but ultimately he's a good man. That's what they've done with this. Yeah. But they've shown that he's grown to be a good man. Yeah. And the only person who really saw it in him and maybe brought it out in him when he was younger was Janet. Yeah. And but also he was probably still kind of a dick. Oh yeah, absolutely. But like she she was that she was his moral compass, as it were. Yeah. And, you know, he's very loyal to his wife and he loves his wife, which is set up so wonderfully in the opening scene of Ant Man. Yeah. Or he uh, smacks the shit out of that shield um, agent um, in front of a reverse aging technology, Haley Atwell. Oh, um, I always love when Haley Atwell pops up in these movies. I love when Haley Atwell pops up in anything. She's fucking great. I'd love it when Haley Atwell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why is Haley Atwell? Oh, God. Not Don't, in all of this. Every, every, hey. t- every time I remember Christopher Robbins out at the end of this week, I'm like, oh, yay. Yeah. Oh, yay, and Haley Atwell. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, yeah. it's Haley Atwell. But um, yeah, so like the, the, the Hank is a bad person who's had a moral compass of his own and has learned to become a better person over time. He's, yes. still, he's still not like the greatest guy in the world, but he's getting there. Yeah. And that is, again, part of the arcs of this movie. It's about like, you don't have to be the person the world has decided you are. You can be better. Yeah. Like you can improve. Um, Sometimes to, it takes help. Which is great at the end because at the end after... Ava and... After Janet um, comes out of the quantum realm, she <clears throat> chooses to help Ava uh, yeah. slash Ghost um, with her quant- with the quantum energy she's absorbed mm. over the time being in the quantum realm to stabilise her. Not permanently, as it's implied by the... Yeah, they suggest that the things might not the, be over. Yeah, by yeah. the mid credit scene. Um, but also, they let them go get away. Yeah. And and and, no. and they, they let them get away, yeah. and then according to the credit scene, they prepare to help them when they do come back yeah. or resurface. Yeah. But also, it Bill doesn't leave Ghost. No, he despite all she's her. done, yeah. he, he insists that she come with him. Yeah, and they seem that according to it's implied began by the mid credit scene that they get away. Yeah, it's it's a redemption for her. And Which is why I didn't mind her not being a villainy, villainy, villain, villain. No. Even though they do play, they toy with that for but, a bit. They toy with her being proper. The Walton, the Walton Ga- Goggins character is he's the bad, he's the villainy, villainy. Yeah, but even then, he's kind of he's out of his depth mm-hmm. and relatively incompetent. He's he's almost Justin Hammer to the point where it could have been Justin Hammer. Yeah, and I can see well where it yeah. would have been Justin Hammer, but he doesn't particularly bother me that it isn't. Yeah, um, but he he is. Even then, he's, he's never really a credible threat. Mm-hmm. He makes threats. Yeah. And he throws spanners in the works, but he's never really a credible threat to the. He's, he's, he's so he, outclassed. He, it's almost like he's the villain in a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> but he's but he's also, he's the villain in a completely different kind of film. Yeah. <laughs> if this was a straight action movie without superheroes, he might be a credible threat. Yeah. But everything they, they'd, the let, Pim, they'd let him yeah. pull a few more triggers and you'd go, okay, yeah, yeah fine, he fits. Yeah. But everything the Pims do completely outclasses him. Yeah. So he doesn't have a chance in hell. So he just becomes, it's not, again, it's not about villains. It's about obstacles. Yes. Put in the way of this family getting back together. Uh, and speaking of, um, I was so, I, I said it in the main non-spoilery bit, but I was so relieved about Hope's character growth because yeah. I completely understand her character in the first movie, but 
even on rewatches, I'm always like, it's less her fault, more the fault of it being a story or a trope yeah. I've seen a million times. The person with the stick up their butt who's going to eventually yeah, learn yeah. why they're mad. And I was uh, even on rewatches, I'm always like, please get to the bit where they're all getting on. Please get to the bit where they're all getting on. Please mm. get to the bit where they're all getting on. Yay, they're all getting on. So to have a movie where she's fully aware of the sins of her father and of her own misinterpretations yeah. of what turned out to be sa- a great sacrifice yeah. and everything and, 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 and what all that. Like, we get a flash of grumpy hope at the beginning, but this time it felt more like a mirror of her dad because, of course, the situation they're yeah. in in this means she's they're going to be pissed, pissed off. Scarf. But then as the film goes on and everybody starts to gel again, I'm like, yay! Yeah. Like, Evangeline Lilly gets to, to stretch a bit more in terms of the range of emotion she can play as the character. Whereas in the first movie, she's very much on one course yeah, and then unleashes it in the last act. What, in this movie, I, she can play it more up. From what's been said, and, all and she's brilliant. They've ever referred, if she's going to it, from what's been said, mm. the sort of thinness of Hope's character is actually a holdover from the Edgar Wright Joe Cornish script. Yeah. And one of the things which, Peyton which, Reed did when he took it over is yeah. to flesh out that character a bit more. Which, I mean, it makes sense in that first movie, but it's just, as a personal preference, yeah. I just wish that it it'd be sh- it was shaken sooner into that story. Yeah. Um, but it means that we get this movie where, like we already said, she's basically our action lead for this film. Uh. <laughs> like, and, and she gets to play and you will see her enjoying it. It is great. Yeah. And that whole sequence in the restaurant not just the kitchen, the entire restaurant sequence. It's just that one moment where she she zips upwards, and it took my it took my head a second to realize how freaking wonderful this was. But they're firing up at her, trying to shoot her, and of course they're missing because she's just perched on one bead yeah. of a chandelier, yeah, <clears throat> looking down at them, and that juxtaposition of the visual, full room, yeah, big crystalline palace esque thing, and it's just because she's put. It's like this is this is where this yeah. film's strengths lie. It really played with the tools it's been given yeah. and the, the abilities our heroes have to create some interesting visual stuff. Uh, Quantum Realm. Sloppy maggot whale things. Tardigrades. What are they called? Real things. They're terrifying. Yeah. They're real. They're really also, called, also called water bears. They're a real microscopic organism and they can survive in vacuum. They can survive in extreme cold. They can survive in extreme heat. They are very, very tough little motherfuckers. The you've seen Star Trek Discovery, right? Yeah, I've not seen all of it yet. I'm only like five episodes in. So the tardigrade that the Spore Drive is based on—that's a blown-up oh, version of one of these real right. tardigrades. Okay. That's why they call it a tardigrade because it's it's a blown-up version of one of these little microscopic critters. That's pretty cool. Oh wow! You learn something every yeah, they're, year. They're, they're real things. And they, yes, they are that cute slash terrifying. Yeah. Um, they play that moment really well in the film as well. Yeah. Like, oh, these are these are majestic and beautiful, and no oh, fuck, it's gonna eat me. <laughs> like, we need to keep going now. Yeah. More giant ant comedy. My favorite shot in the whole film wasn't even visually stunning. It was just the shot of that one, the, the one shot of the ant sat on the couch with the house arrest <laughs> anklet on, eating cereal. And they somehow made it look guilty. Yeah. Like when Lewis they comes in so and he goes like, like and Scott? Like he's so confused. It, and he just sort of looks at him and it's almost going like, oh, I'm sorry, man. About the it's mess. not. It's and not. It's like, how did they make an ant look guilty? Clearly something happened to the ant that was left over at the end of Ant-Man. 
Well, I don't know. I don't know if that that's probably, that one, think... but but we know that whatever that one is has made them realise that oh, these can be useful yeah. because the the lab is full of, of about at, le- at least yeah. six ones that are constantly yeah. working on. I the, think on the I tech think it's fair to assume or acting as um, Hank's personal like guard dogs against uh, against Bill and stuff. The uh, one that Bill? was left over. Bill, what am I about? Bill, yeah, yeah. Any anyone? Goliath. What's his name? Yeah, Bill Foster. Good. I, for a moment there, um, for some reason, I was like, who the hell is Bill? Why have I invented the name Bill? Don't call him Larry. <laughs> the um, one that's running around at the end, I think, has probably died by this point, because Hans don't live very long. No. Oh, that's it's been a, two years. The, what you're saying is, in an ideal world, they'd still be doing the one-shots, and there'd be some horrific one-shot that's basically an ant version of Stand By Me. Yeah. <laughs> a kid yeah. just finds a giant ant dead. Oh, no. And they're gone. Um... <laughs> So, but yeah, the, the the playing with the giant ants, and and also playing and the best size changing comedy in the film doesn't come from getting really big or really small. It comes from getting in between, and it's the it's the sequence in the school. <gasps> oh, which good is Lord. fucking great! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like the way it's, I mean, it's, it's probably all done on blue screen, but the way it's choreographed, it makes it look. Really neat. There's some fucking zingers from Evangeline Lilly and Michael Douglas. Yeah. They both get to do a lot more comic stuff in this. Yeah, and a lot, a lot brilliant of brilliant, wonderfully dry aside. Oh fucking hell! Michael Douglas is so dry, he sucks all the moisture out of the surrounding environment. And, and in this movie, yeah, yeah I guess that's just his craggy skin. Yeah, just let's let's talk. Speaking of giant ant, let's let's talk post credit. You missed the post credit. I missed the very very post credit. Um, the last one I got. I saw the first one, which is the one that is absolutely setting up how important Scott Lang is going to be in Avengers Four. And if it isn't, yeah. I will eat an ant. Probably not. No, don't do that. Um, um, but yeah, so the post the post credits is um, uh, the empty apartment, yeah. the empty house. Uh, and in the corner of the image, you can see that the TV is on like emergency broadcast, please stand by thing. Yeah. And the camera just sort of slowly pans around the quiet, empty thing and you hear the drums and eventually it settles on the uh, electric drum kit and the ant is playing the drums. Yeah. So the, it, the post post credits is just yeah. a, a, a little moment. But it's the mid-credits. The mid-credits that, is um, where the meat And have you noticed, is. that's what they're doing now. The mid-credits is like yeah. the scene you need to see. The post-credits is a, thanks for sticking around. Yeah, this, is a, little, this is a little fun bit. But I think that started with um, Spidey, maybe? Maybe. thought Ragnarok definitely did it, because it was the... Yeah. Oh, because uh, Guardians had five, and all of them were just different bits yeah. and pieces. None of them, apart from the Adam Warlock one, none of them are like setting up a future thing. Yeah. They're just sort of like, here's some stuff for you. Yeah. Thanks for sticking around, kids. But I do I do love the Thor Ragnarok one of the... Oh, uh, uh, had a revolution and uh, you won. Well done. Yeah, of course, it can't be a revolution without someone to revolt uh, uh, against. So, yay, so, me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maximum gold bloom. Because what was, what was Black Panther? Mid-credits was... Uh, yes. Oh, yeah, mid-credits. Oh, no, Black Panther was different because mid-credits was the what does Wakanda have to offer the world. Yeah. Uh, and then the post-credits the was, was the White, White Wolf, Wolf setting up Bucky uh, being uh, awake yeah. and ready for more. And then we got Infinity War, where there is no post-credits. Um, is there mid-credits on Infinity War? No, no, there is post-credits on Infinity War. Yeah. No, that's it. There's no mid-credits on Infinity War. There's a post-credits, yeah. which is the setting up of Captain Marvel. Yeah. So yeah, so th- this one goes back to the idea of the post-credits just being something fun, the mid-credits being something... Now, I almost wish that the mid-credits was the post-credits because it's weird to get Janet back yeah. and then lose her 
Like, well, lose it on screen it, it, five minutes later. It, it, you need people to know what happened going into Infinity War. Absolutely, And yeah. putting it after the main <laughs> credits is a really smart place to put it. Mm. Um, and it well, is because, because we've had so is, much fun. Yeah. And we've had a laugh. To then suddenly remind everyone, oh yeah, do you remember that one you watched a couple yeah. months ago that upset you? Now yeah. they're syncing up. This this like, took place simultaneously, and also this is where it ends. Yeah, and you're like, oh fuck. Yeah, like it's so. it's, it's brilliant because basically they're doing a condensed version of a quantum experiment in the back of a van. Uh, again, like looking they are, looking to channel more stuff to help Ava in the future yeah. and continue their research. Channel more quantum healing energy. Yeah, and. Scott's going to be shrunken down and sent into this sort of pocket version of a quantum tunnel to um, study it, and it's all going to be fine, la, 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 And then, that was the thing, as they were counting down for him to shrink and go in, I was thinking, something's going to happen, something's going to happen, yeah. something's going to happen, but it didn't, and then and do, he goes. Then they do that first mic visual. check, and it's like, and he doesn't respond straight away. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, oh, oh no, he's fine. He's fine, he's fine, he's fine. Yeah. And then they count back to pull him because he's just going in to grab Summer and then come straight back out. Yeah, he's literally in there for about ten seconds, mm-hmm. and they count down five, four, three, two. Yeah, just cuts off. He's like, guys, guys, where are you? And then that familiar bit of score starts to play yeah. as the camera cuts back to the, the parking lot and the experiment, and these just dust clouds yeah. where three people once stood are yeah. fading off into the wind. And Scott is trapped in, in the, the quantum, quantum realm with. Time vortexes. Because you get an offhand line from Janet being like, oh yeah, watch out for the time vortexes. If you get caught in one of those, you'll be lost in space and time. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder how Scott Lang's going to get out of the quantum realm and also maybe help to resolve the plot of Avengers 4. Is it with time travel? Because we know that there's a teenage Cassie Lang. Also, rumours and set pictures that show stuff with a younger Characters Iron younger Man costumes. and an older Iron Man and a, 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 po- and a no-beard Steve Rogers in a different costume and uh, all other kinds of things. Shenanigans. Also, the Time Stone was a major player. Also, major, a major what? A major player. Player! 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 player. Big dick player! Um, Big dick energy <laughs> player! Um, so, yeah. yeah. Doctor Strange... Having the time stone and then being in the end game now. Mm. It's not an accident. No. It's all been this set is, up. This is, I think... It's all part of the plan. plan. Which is why I think Avengers Forever is the best title for Avengers 4. Yeah. I'm down. The clown. With the emails. That was a segue. It was a segue. Emails, baby. Did you know? Oh, this is fascinating, right? What's I don't that? Know if you know, segways. Segways, yeah. Did you know, right, that the man yeah. who invented the segway yeah. really liked pineapple? <laughs> fat that's there. not a segway. That's a tangent. Oh. You were supposed to make a tangerine, not pineapple joke, but you, you, you fucked it, didn't you? Absolutely fucked it. <laughs> Christopher, this is why I don't set up jokes for you anymore. Okay. Um, this one comes in from Jacob. Go, Jacob. 
How are your limbs? Says hello, big damn cockers. Well, this has been an eventful week. This came in for last week's podcast, but we didn't get to it. <laughs> um, that bloody Doctor Who trailer was brilliant. Again, I saw people on the Twitter <laughs> complaining about it. I thought it was brilliant, and I personally like the fact it didn't reveal anything about Series 11. Like the fact the Rani and Omega are going to be the main villains. <laughs> I love the fact the first shot of it was in a quarry. It felt very fitting. Jody's going to make an excellent addition to the Doctor Who unitard. Last week, you guys were talking about specifically filmed Doctor Who trailers. My personal favourite was the Series 4 trailer where Donna is sitting at a campfire talking about some of the events in the yeah, series. I don't recall cool. that one. I recall that At one. all. I recall that um, one. I'm so excited cool. for Series 11. Me too! So Star Wars The Clone Wars is coming back. I'm personally excited about it. I know that it wasn't very well re- received. I'm assuming that's going to mean... That means... Uh, but I like most of it, and I'm glad to see it brought back. I thought it was particularly well received by the fans. Yeah, uh, not the first season, no. and not the not, not the movie. movie. No. And I've I've sat through the movie, and that is a fucking atrocious piece of shit. But um, I hear <laughs> well, that's nothing to do really with the show, good. does it? And I and I liked I liked Rebels. The only thing it's got to do with the show is it introduces Ahsoka. Oh, oh. Oh, that sucks. Um, so I love this character. Where did she first appear? Don't watch yeah. it. Don't watch it. Um, Doctor Who questions. Doctor Who. Would you ever do an episode about what Doctor Who means to you? Uh, uh, we did. It, yeah. It's called uh, Boomtown Nine is Ten and yep. um, and Nine is Ten After Party uh, Episode Thirteen. Now, I'm sure we'll do more Doctor <laughs> Who focused stuff in the future, especially with season eleven around the corner. So we're definitely. You know, there's room for us to get more in-depth onto the old Doctor Who. Hey, hey Doctor, Doctor Who. Who. Um, I'm the Wait, what? Is there an episode of modern Doctor Who that you can't sit all the way through? Doctor Who in the Wardrobe. Yeah. Um, uh, any of the Monk trilogy. Yeah. And... Um, Hellbent. I actually didn't even watch Face the Raven or The Woman Who Lived or any of that stuff. Oh, I The couldn't... Woman Who Lived and the, the Girl Who Died as well, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't... I was so turned off by the episodes leading up to those that I was just like, I can't, I can't do this. So it's not so much that I couldn't sit all the way through an episode, it's that I couldn't make it all the way through a season. Mm. Um, have a blooming good week, Jacob... Okay. okay, okay, I'm not going to do a ball line, we're going to do another couple because, uh, You've been up Jesus, this one's long! You've been up since balls o'clock as well, um, so you sleep, sir. Tom, you've got a really long email here, but I'm going to save it for another day, because it's massively long. Um, uh, and I've got, I'm going to get, I'm going to blow through these two from George. And um, what about the emails? Yay! <laughs> uh, yeah, Tom, we'll get to yours next week, don't worry. Um, so these two from George the uh, first one came in for last week's episode but we didn't get to it and, and it's titled Derek Sibley the actor um, <laughs> <laughs> greetings big damn lads hope you're both well right it's an you... email from Daisy Ridley in the <laughs> I past know. Uh, I write to see you in a panic having forgot to email and trying to make the next episode don't worry about it because we're always late now. Uh, we're working for real and working on my channel. I don't know how you managed to fit it all in. We don't. That's why there hasn't been any big damn love for forever. Um, you are heroes and make my week worthwhile. Uh, some oh, questions I tried to think of while writing this email. Uh, favourite and least favourite Torchwood and SJA episodes? 
favourite and least favourite yeah. Torchwood SJA episodes? I've, um, not, I've not watched enough SJA to answer the SGA one. Um, well, we're going to have to have a marathon. Yes. Um, um, favourite Sarah Jane? Um, I'll answer this recently, actually. Uh, it's either Death of the Doctor from Series 4... Mm-hmm. Or The Curse of Clyde Langer from Series 5. That's okay. a really, really good one. Um, favourite Torchwood is Countryside. Least favourite is everything else. <laughs> favourite Torchwood? No, least favourite um, is fucking Cyberwoman. Favourite Torchwood, Children of Earth. Yeah, Children of Earth is very good. Just all five episodes, because yeah. can't, you can't watch just one. It's one story in five parts. Mm-hmm. And uh, least favourite Torchwood? Um... Miracle Probably Day. the last episode of Miracle Day because the thing is, series one and two is you know d- divides opinion, but it is ultimately camp and fun in places when it's, there's some episodes that really aren't very good, and there's some episodes that are really enjoyable. Series three is brilliant television, like brilliant event telly, excellent sci-fi, fantastic TV. Yeah, Miracle Day starts out like that. And then is dragged on for ten episodes, and I yeah. believe I believe that was because Rusty Davis wrote five, and then Stars said, "Well, right, we'll do this because it was the Stars Network in America made it. Yeah. We'll do it, but only if there's ten, so they had to stretch it. Some of the most interesting stuff happens in the middle episodes with the idea of what the hell do we do with overpopulation slash with people who like punished or whatever, and yeah. you find out some people have been just they've just been cremating people on the sly to yeah. try and ease things, but yeah. of course the way this works. Their insides are still alive, yeah, and and that their remains are somehow conscious in a way because they live forever. It's like, oh god, this is horrible. Yeah. And they say it's, it's wonderfully told, and then it it just ends on such a wet lettuce. Like the ending is just such a damp squib, a wet lettuce. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Which which doubly sucks because of course we don't see any more. Um, favorite film in the Conato trilogy. In the Conato trilogy, yeah. Uh, Hot Fuzz for me. I think Hot Fuzz is the best one. I think I enjoyed The World's End the most, but I think that's probably because George I... also enjoyed The World's End the most. Yeah, but I think that's because I watched Shaun... like Shaun of the Dead. I think for a lot of people was like one of the first ten DVDs in their DVD collection. So like I watched Shaun of the Dead relentlessly, and I've watched Hot Fuzz relentlessly. I've I've seen the work The World's End much less, mm. so it's still kind of new. Do you know yes. what I mean? I watched it maybe three times, but it's yes. still kind of new to me whenever I see it. So, yeah. Okay. Da, 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 da. Hey! Trick question. Um, the real answer is Scott Pilgrim. Uh, if you could cast... <laughs> no! If you could cast Matt Berry in any film or TV show, what would it be and why? <laughs> Matt Berry and Ray Purchase the Doctor and Master, please. Um, <laughs> uh, that's all for now. Hope you have a, both have a wonderful week. Lots of big downloads you find gentlemen. Until next time. Goodbye, my dear. George! That would be a wonderfully we'll ineffective one, master. <laughs> <laughs> The bloody master. <sighs> dun, dun, dun. Master. <laughs> uh, what would Captain Matt Doctor. In? I'd like to see him in a drama. I'd like to Just see... to see how that would work. Because I've never seen him in anything other I'd like than a comedic I'd like to see him be a proper Buddhist villain. Yeah, like in, in something... What, with a comedic bent? Or, or a full-blown... Like, no, are, we, are, we talking, comedic, are we talking? Are we talking like Robin Williams in One Hour Photo? Oh my god, I can't quite believe you could do this sort of role. Because um, like Robin Williams, you know, did some did some stuff. That obviously, showed off his chops. But then when you get to One Hour Photo, you're like, wow, you can play insanely creepy. Yeah, something like uh... something like Broadchurch, like something like some kind of yeah. evening procedural that with darker undertones. Something grimy and slimy and a bit gritty, like serial killer style. Mm. 
Um, he'd make a great Who villain in the in the vein of someone like something a bit more bombastic, so with a comedic angle, but still quite dark. Um, the pirate captain. Yeah, or like you know, how many Naimons has he seen today? You know. Just... <laughs> You could, you could really, um, you could really sort of give yeah. them all like that. Yeah. Problem is, as long as he doesn't do a, a diarrhea commercial, because if he does even one of them, then it's uh, good night, sweet hat. <laughs> For those listening um, at home, as opposed to being us two in the room right now, I did click. Just go and watch the episode. It's, it's worth fun. It. And Daisy Ridley's in it for two seconds. Cheers. Um, it's really weird. Uh, and then the one that George sent in for this week says, um, greetings, big damn lads. Hope you're both doing well. I know it's been a rough week, Chris. Yeah, it's been a bit of a toughie. Uh, don't worry, Matt. I love you both equally. That's, that's good to know. And I, hope this week br- br- I hope this week brings you both a lot of happiness Aww. and good times. <laughs> this will be my last email for a couple of weeks as I go on holiday for two weeks. You don't miss me too much. Lucky Plus, I get everything ready to, before I go. I've made two pre-recorded episodes of the podcast that I hope come out on time when I'm not here. Good idea. Nicely done. Good idea. Um, a couple of questions to leave you with. Do you think Chris Chibnall is lying about the Daleks? Um, no. Now, I wouldn't put it past them appearing in some capacity due to the as yet unconfirmed but sort of quite believable Terry Nation Everybody state knows it's all about Terry Nation! <laughs> Who's Lucy's least favourite Doctor Who writer currently? Like during our yes. marathon, every time a Dalek because story, he's not very good. Every time a Dalek story comes up, she's so bored. And Look I was at, like, "What's really weird is you're going to feel like this for all of them. You'll start to like them a bit more in the Third Doctor's era, yeah, because there's other characters as part of the yeah. story. Then Genesis is going to knock your socks off. Genesis is fucking great. Destiny's going to make you go, "What the hell's going on?" And then you're going to love got, Resurrection, yeah. Revelation, and Remembrance because when other writers other get hold of the Daleks, they actually do interesting stuff with them. Um, Genesis is really good, but it's definitely an anomaly in Terry Nation's yeah. oeuvre. Um, the most interesting parts about his old Dalek stories are where they aren't focused on the Daleks. So, yeah. like, the chase is interesting because the Daleks aren't the focus. It's where they're going to end up here. Like the Marie Celeste and, yeah. and, and you know, the, the House of Horrors and things like Mechanus. that. Mechanus. Well, yeah. But Home of the Mechanoids. And another bloody jungle. We realise he's obsessed with jungles. He loves a jungle. He loves the a jungle. Nation. So um, weird, like, but it's got to be radioactive jungle, or it's got to like have invisible monsters in it. Like, it can't just be a jungle. It has to have something weird. I I don't <laughs> think Chris Chibnall is being entirely truthful about the Daleks. I I think he is in regards to series eleven. They're not going to be a main villain. I wouldn't be I surprised if they were in a Christmas episode or something. I believe they. Do you know I what believe I mean? they will make some kind of appearance just to because I don't think it's a series based thing. No. I think it's a year based yeah, thing. Yeah. Because look at the year that it was off air. We had um, we had Husbands of River Song that Christmas. Yeah. Then we had no Doctor Who till Return of Doctor Mysterio. But we had the teaser for series ten with Bill and a Dalek. The Dalek. Yeah. So they will find a way to use them. It could be. It could be in the spin-off media. It yeah. could be that they play a prominent role in the spin-off media, maybe. Yeah. Um, so I don't think we're not going to see them at all this year. But I, I, I do believe they're telling the truth when they say not in the ten episodes that are going out. Hmm. Um, Is Hacker the new I, master? I'd love that. I mean, it would ruin the show. And he just constantly keeps saying, Doctor Who! Yes. Hey, who? Yes. Who is she? Um... Did you think the ending of Ant-Man and the Wasp was underwhelming? 
No, I the actual ending. No, not at all. Yeah. It's fine. It was a small scale story, pun intended. And the the ending in terms of the mid credits. Fuck no. No, it was there to remind you that this is a bigger story. Yeah. No, I was, I was, I was absolutely pleased with that one in the watch. I got exactly what I wanted out of it. More or less standalone, um, light, fun, witty, slightly silly, also kind of sentimental. Um, neat little movie. You know what I really liked? Yeah. Is we know when um, <laughs> you know when Janet is controlling Scott's body yeah. from the quantum realm. Yeah. They didn't really play it for laughs. No, they didn't. They did it. They do for a second, yeah. and then they PS it they, with, a, with they, a chuckle. Yeah, they do it immediately. But then Paul Rudd is doing the sort of feminine affect, mm. but not as a joke. Yeah. And it's actually really yeah. sweet. It's so sweet. And then you Especially get the bit where they're all holding yeah. hands and then you get the, yeah, the little tag at the end of the holding hand. But they don't yeah. they don't linger on it long enough for it for the Michael Douglas and the Paul Rudd to do a holding hands thing. Yeah. It's just like what? Wait, and it, I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah. They didn't play the sort of gender bending aspect of that for laughs. Yeah. They didn't they didn't they didn't play they didn't turn it into a gay panic joke. Yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was really nice. Yeah. And yeah, like Paul Rudd is absolutely doing the feminine affect, but not in a parody way. Yeah. Like, like it, 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 the, the moment he starts talking, you sort of go, <laughs> "Okay, this is kind of funny," and then you just buy that. No, he, he, yeah, someone's talking through him because they don't do the jokes. Yeah, it, 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 he sells it. But I, I would not surprise me if he got Michelle Pfeiffer to read those lines, so you could understand them. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, when is our crossover, you beautiful bastards? Well, George, we've still not done Milk and Two Sugars yet, so join the queue. Um, <laughs> or or um, Smash the Media. Or Smash the Media. Yeah, all the Five um, Free Fans podcast. All the Five Free Fans podcast. <laughs> um, well, that's it for a couple of weeks. See you soon, soon, boys. Try and listen when I can. Keep up the good work. See you soon. Lots of big damn love to you. And goodbye, my dears. So yeah, Tom, we've got a big long email from you. We'll get to that next week. Few others, it uh, looks yeah. long anyway. We've got, um, uh, we, as always, folks, if we don't read out your email, nil fret, we will either eventually get to it or send it to us again further down the line. At contact at gmail.com. We'll either get to it or we won't. So just chill. <laughs> For example, if, you're, you're, if, you're, if your email does not pertain to stuff that is relevant in terms of the overall topics anymore and we haven't got around to it, it's not because we don't like you. It's just because we've had to move on. Yeah. So uh, it's not. Of, it's not you. It's me. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> speaking of moving on. Bye. Guess we'll see you next week then, eh? Ah, Big damn cast on Twitter. Big damn contact at gmail dot com. Big damn stream on Twitch. Big damn channel on YouTube. On Neo Two. <laughs> um. Let's all crumble into dust until next summer. (laughs) That sounds ridiculous.